there's probably some caffeine here. You know, you, if you need a little bit of caffeine to get yourself ready for church, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I'll tell you that right now. Um, you get yourself right, you get your mind right, and you start focusing on the things of God, and I guarantee you that God will lead you to all truth and all understanding. That is a promise of the gospel. That is a promise of Jesus Christ. He leads us to all truth. And I don't want this message tonight to be an ironic one, because my title is The End Will Come. And I hope you guys don't have to pray halfway through that the end will come quickly. Um, I hope that you enjoy this message tonight and that God helps you. Because I, I want to tell you something. I was really, really stirred by the man of God uh, during the revival services that we had. Uh, I was very stirred because, I'll be honest with you, it was very, very challenging for me. I was there, my wife was sick, and uh, I've got to be honest, there were a few times where I thought, when is this sickness going to end so that I can go back to my normal routine of uh, being able to focus on the things of God and not have to focus on uh, germs and my children and all the other things. Uh, but in all of that, an amazing thing happened. You know, God, he actually encouraged me. And I really treasured the time that I had with my children. And I treasured the time where I came back and I said, you know what, honey, no, you're not going to do much with the kids. And you're going to stay away from the kids. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, let you rest. And I really treasured that. Because there's going to be a day when we're all going to be able to rest with the Lord. And it's something that we should be able to think about and as the man preached the word of God, and I saw the gratitude in his heart from the uh, just the tough conditions in which he has been in uh, throughout his life and before his salvation, I really treasured a man of God that would just come up and just preach the word and tell us, you know, I'm excited. And I want you to be excited that Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to take his saints. And you know, wasn't it a special gift for our church? And he was super encouraged. I, I was able to go out to dinner with him uh, 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 one night. And he was super encouraged as I told him that we were studying the rapture. And we were joking about that idea of the, of, you know, we, we hear words like tribulation and rapture, and we don't know what they are, you know. We, uh, you know, we were sharing how the first time we heard the word rapture, we thought of, you know, we thought somebody was going to show a picture of dinosaurs, you know, and how, you know, uh, or that team, uh, that basketball team in Toronto, uh, you know, and the truth is that the rapture is a glorious thing. And one day the end is going to come. And the truth is that there will be no more disappointments. And there will be no more challenges. And there will be no more of, of all of these uh, situations where we have really very few answers. We may be facing many, many things in these coming days. And the truth is that it can totally consume us. 
But we don't have to live that way. Many people, they live their lives as if now is their only chance to have happiness. And isn't that so foolish? Because they can give themselves eternal happiness by simply repenting and turning their lives to Jesus and knowing that his assurance of our sins being forgiven, it's been finished, it's done with. You don't have to live your whole entire life just hoping that somehow you'll achieve happiness here on earth. And I want to tell you something. One of the reasons that people uh, struggle so much, they struggle so much in life, is because they rarely do consider the end. They're so caught up with what's going on in the moment. And what does it produce? It produces lives of dissatisfaction, lives full of frustration, lives full of disappointment, because you're so caught up with what's going on right now. And how many know here that it's no good to be better at beginnings than it is to be better at finishing, to be better at the end. You know, I was a runner, and uh, one of the proudest moments of my life ever was on the relay team when I was just a young runner. You know, I wasn't the star of the show at that moment. We had a guy named Mike Starkey, and he was a senior. And uh, I was the young guy, and I had another young guy on my team. And I had another guy who was uh, 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 another youngster. And so it was us three youngsters with this guy, Mike Starkey, right? And we were the best relay team. We were the seventh ranked relay team in the nation at the time. But the thing about it was, there was another relay team, and they were pretty good too and they were just around the corner. And they were from a big school. And they were the cool kids. And they were uh, the Shenandoah Plainsmen. And I had to hear about how great they were at everything they did. And I'll never forget it, because they had a team with like 150 kids on them. You know? I mean, they walked in and it looked like, you know, it looked like you uh, walked into the wrong neighborhood. You know what I mean? When they came to the track meet. And I'll never forget when we finally overtook them and beat them. And one of the coolest things about that was we had a relay that was very, very important. It was a 4 by 800 relay. And I'm not here to my own horn because I didn't run the last leg. I didn't. I ran the third leg. First leg, we run by one of our guys who run really fast, so they put him first. But see, our coach had a strategy. 
See, he knew that the guy who ran first, he was a youngster, and he knew that he might, you know, he might go out a little too hard. He might get a little too excited. But he knew that what he really wanted was to have those last two guys be his best runners. Be the guys that were going to step up, you know? And I thought it was a privilege to run third. I thought to myself, now, what I want to explain to you is, in, in racing terms, the guy who runs third in a relay, he's just there not to blow. He doesn't have the glorious position. All he can do is mess up. But hopefully, he keeps the team close enough so that if you have a guy who can really run fast, you know, Carl Lewis, or one of these really super fast guys, Ben Johnson, you, you know, you just want the guy to stay close. And when we ran this race, lo and behold, that team from Shenandoah, they got out to a good start. Our guy went out pretty hard and he started to die. They got a pretty good lead. And then the second kid, he ran his heart out. Well, you know, he didn't make up any ground. As a matter of fact, he lost a little bit of ground. And I'll never forget it. I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, all I got to do is get close. All I got to do is get close. And as that kid was running, his name was Tommy, and he was running towards me, I just said, all I gotta do is get close. And I grabbed that baton, and I began to run. And as I ran, I realized, all I gotta do is get close. And so I, I stayed in control, and I knew the last 400 meters were gonna be the fastest 400 meters that I could possibly run. And I came around the track, and I'll never forget, I came around the track, and the Shenandoah kids, the parents, you know, there were some parents there, and they were screaming, yeah, because their boy was in front. And it was like time stopped. And I want you to think about this tonight, not because of the race. I want you to think about this because I think this is how God and Jesus see us. Because as I came around that corner, to run that straightaway before the last 400 meters, this lady was screaming, we're gonna win, go Shen! And one of the guys from Shenandoah, he knew me and the other runner. And he said, now you're gonna see the miscuited of kick. What he was saying was that he knew I was gonna run hard. And I ran that last lap. I handed the baton off. But we were just, I didn't get ahead. I didn't win. But I got close. I got close. And lo and behold, he went and he won the race. And the guy looked over at the lady as she had her head down, dejected. And he said, that's the missing unit kid. And I got to sit there 
Not because I want tricks, but because I was a part of something that was truly glorious. And I got to watch what I'd like you to imagine tonight is who's running the final leg for you is Jesus. And the truth is that it's better to be an ender and watch Jesus finish the race for you than to try to start off so fast focused on all the wrong things. See, the problem with living for today is that it never considers the future. See, what good is it for you to be right all the time, for instance, if in the end you just end up perishing? Because you don't have a heart for Jesus. <clears throat> what good is it if you don't consider the end when you're facing situations? You know, the truth is, when people don't consider the end, what they end up usually doing is they do what we all do, and that's just make things worse. We draw conclusions sometimes that aren't even there. You know, you ever, you ever just been contemplating everything that's going on in your life and you just sit there at the end and you're like, man, there's no hope. And it's all because you're looking at the moment and you're not looking at the future that you can hand the baton to Jesus. You know, I want to tell you something. I don't know the result of all our lives, but I know the result of people who make heaven their home. You know, before I read this text, I just want you to think about, I want you to think about this. You know, in the Bible, there were two brothers, Jacob and Esau. I have twins, and so this is, it's near and dear to my heart, this story. And I think about this story, you know, Esau, he was just focused on the time that he was living in. Here he is, you know, he hasn't eaten for a few days. But he's not going to die. But because he lives for today, he makes a choice that costs him his salvation. See, he wants to be right. And so he makes a choice that becomes the future and the whole equation for not just him, but his family. And his thinking and his end ultimately become completely undone. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. Let's look at the word of God. It says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is 
than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Listen, I want to be clear here tonight. You know, the writer of this text is not an Old Testament Dr. Death or Dr. Kevorkian. He's not trying to tell us we're better off dead. He's just reminding us that the end comes for all of us. He's not saying death is better than life. What he's saying is our life on earth has an end. And because we're alive right now, the need of today is to take it to your heart and consider the end. See, Jesus, he made us do this. He, he talked about these hard considerations. My first point tonight is, listen, sometimes it's a hard consideration. I remember thinking before that race about my friend. My friend was the kind of guy who was always in the moment. To be honest with you, he was a great runner. He was an unbelievable runner. But the truth is, he was always focused on the moment. And there was something inside of me that said to me, man, you know, I wonder if he's really going to blow it. And you know, the truth is, he ran six seconds slower than his fastest time that day. And you know, the truth is that I was glad that I loved that kid. That I wasn't sitting there upset and angry at him because he was losing the race. But you want to know what my secret was? My secret was I had already made the hard consideration that I might be behind. I had already thought about the fact that I might be there just to get my other runner close. The fact is that life is difficult sometimes. And each and every one of us is going to face the end. And we, the reality is, we don't know when that will be. <coughs> we don't know. See? <coughs> the only way that life makes sense and really has meaning, and I want you to listen to me tonight, is when you consider the end. See, if you're saved tonight, you need to think about the eternal things, don't you? If you're not saved tonight, you better think about the end. You know, I have a kid who's near and dear to my heart, and I really believe with all my heart that because of the prayers of his family and his loved ones and his friends, those that are saved and those that are contending, that one day he is going to turn back to Jesus and get his heart right. I believe that with all of my heart. But the reason I'm able to consider that and believe that the way I do is because I consider the end every single day. 
I don't need to sit here and tell you that I'm perfect, beloved. I, I'm not. But I will tell you that I consider people's ends before I consider what's going on in their lives right now. I consciously do that. Because just like this young boy that I care so much about, you know, one thing I always remembered about him was he'd always get saved when we would show scary movies about the end. You know? He'd be like a little yeah, you know, he'd be living unsaved in the church, you know, just doing nonsense, and then we'd show heaven or hell. You know? We show Hell's gates, and he'd come right up to that altar. Over and over. And I, I believe that God is going to show him the end one day, and he's going to repent, and he's going to believe. Because I have that memory in my heart. And I consider his end. You know, it's, it's hard. You know, it's, it's a hard consideration, but we have to remember that you can't live for today all the time. You can't always live according to what you want or how you feel, what's best for me, without consideration of eternity. You have to have a mentality that is different than why about worry about the future when I can live for today. You know, I think about what the world tells us all the time. It blows my mind because I never thought anything about it either. The truth is, and I can honestly tell you that when I begin to embrace the reality of eternity, it made living life a lot easier. I began to be able to embrace the truth. And it began to radically alter everything that I saw in this world. I see things differently than I did before. You know, the essence is that we prioritize the things of value, like our salvation. You know, it's important that we work out our salvation. It's important our testimony to other people. It's important that we're a witness for Jesus. Because if we don't do this, people won't see their end for what it is. You know, the problem that some of us have, you know, the, the problem that most of us have is simple. It's just easy to blow off, isn't it? It's easy to just focus on something else. The truth is, thinking about the end requires faith. You know, you have to believe. I want to just tell you something. It's a needful thing. Because salvation takes endurance. See, the danger is many people give up. 
Many people are cynical. They just look at it as a point of pointlessness or a waste of time. You know, at first they're optimistic, excited about turning like my friend. He was excited to run. He was like, I'm running the leadoff. I can be ahead of everybody. I can give that baton first. He ended up running six seconds slower than he ever ran or than his best time. And a lot of people are like that with their salvation. They're not running out first. But you know what I remember about that race? I remember that stinking kid from Shenandoah who I caught with about 200 meters to go but I couldn't pass him. He yelled something back. And we ran neck and neck all the way through. And if I'm honest with you tonight, right at the end, he had a little bit more than I did. Because he was a pretty good runner. But the truth is that what I'm grateful for is that I wasn't just thinking about the beginning of the race, that I had enough to stick with him at the end. That I had the endurance. Because, beloved, you don't want to entertain the alternatives. Hebrews 10, 35 says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Verse 36, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. What a powerful, powerful message that God is telling you. Have endurance. Don't fail to come to terms with the fact that you might just run up against a situation that is bigger than you. And you're going to need to hand that baton off to Jesus. But you need to finish the race. Anyone who's been a runner, they can tell you the truth about running is amazing. You know, once you get over about 200 meters, I don't care who you are. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done in life, you'll come up against somebody who will make you think to yourself, maybe I should just stop running. It's amazing. I mean, I've run, I've run 10 miles. I've run 800 meters. And I'll tell you, I've been, I've been in a race that's just 800 meters long and thought to myself, I don't know how I'm going to get to the finish line. Because life can be hard. And the essence is you never consciously or deliberately neglect the eternal. You just don't plan 
You just don't change. You just don't learn. You just have your own agenda. And what happens is you don't realize that there's a connection between what's going on right now and eternity. And you end up being fooled by all those people who say everything's okay, everything's all right. Don't get me wrong. We don't need perfection here today. We don't need perfection tonight. We just need to be willing to run the race that God has set before us. And he has given you everything you need. Many, many times where I wanted to quit things. There were many, many times where I had to say to myself, God has given me what I need. Matthew 10, 22. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. You can be saved tonight. You don't have to lose confidence. You don't have to give yourself to something else. You don't have to give yourself to other passions. You don't have to give yourself to the flesh. The point is, you can hang on and you can keep your confidence in Christ and endure because there is an end. One of the greatest things about running that I learned over the years is that, you know what? The race always ends. No matter what, if you just keep on running, God gave me two legs, I can run. And in the end, there's going to be an end. And the truth is, at the end of we're all promised is an end of sin. See, the sin will end. And we can be there in eternity without sin, without blemish, because our Lord has paid the price. Romans 6, verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am proud to say as a sinner that is not my righteousness but it is my Lord's. I am proud to say that I have nothing holding us back tonight. There is nothing because as long as we do as he pleases we will not do as we please. And our end will not be death, but eternal life. You know, there's a difference between being good and righteous. There's a difference. You can be a good person and still end up in hell. The road to hell paved with good intentions. That can happen. See, righteousness is being right before the eyes of God. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. 
See, it's a dangerous thing to turn back or turn away from God. See, the truth is that tonight your faith can't be in yourself. It will not last. It needs a foundation. What am I talking about? What foundation am I trying to preach to you tonight? That God is who he says he is. That's the simple foundation that I'm trying to give you tonight. That God is who he says he is. He means his words. And he means his promises. And he means his purpose. His purpose is to save us saints. His purpose is to glorify Jesus. Christians say that they believe this to be a fact, right? Well, if that's the case, that means there's going to be an end. And there's going to be eternity. There's going to be heaven and hell and judgment and reward. And I'm sorry tonight. You know, but I'm a New Yorker and I'm from New York. And on September 11th, I can't preach anything but the end. You know? Because I've been there. You know, I remember being in a bar serving alcohol to people. On September 10th until 3 o'clock in the morning, having a good old time, loving life, living a good life with a house and cars and cats drugs and fun times and I can remember being stirred for some reason early in the morning and walking out into my living room 7.30 in the morning. And for some strange reason, I can't sleep. And turn it on that TV. And reach to Kathy Lear on. And oh, you know, it's just normal morning. We're gonna, I'm going to sit there and listen to some nonsense until I get tired again, smoke a joint. And then maybe fall asleep again. And then boom. Everything changes. And they're confused. They don't know. Should we show the Twin Towers burning? This is Regis and Kathy Lee. We're trying to have a good time here. Should we do it on a small screen or a big screen? What should we talk about? I guess we're going to just have to turn it over. And then eventually, you know, Regis and Kathy Lee, they gave way. As thousands were killed. And I want to tell you something. As a backslider, thank God for that mercy and grace. <coughs> 
Because even though I knew something was wrong and I didn't know what to do, even though I didn't know how to get right with God, even though there was no fellowship churches near me and no one preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, God showed the people